Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello, welcome to Parlor to Plate, a weekly podcast from Everag Insights dedicated to offering listeners enlightening discussion and actionable intelligence about dairy markets. I'm your host, Erica Medke. We're excited to have you along today. If you like what you hear, please like us, subscribe, and tell a friend or two. First things first, we're going to timestamp the episode. It is Wednesday, August 2nd, around 1 o'clock Central Standard Time. Here's a quick rundown of the markets. Class 3 space is definitely up, Class 4 down, and the grains are down as well. So CME block cheddar, $1.96 per pound, up a dime on the week. Barrels, $1.87, up $0.09 this week. Whey, $0.26, holding steady. Butter, $2.63, down $0.04 from this time last week. Nonfat dry milk also down, this time to one twelve, three cents below prior week. In the grain space, September corn is at four ninety a bushel, down fifty one cents. August soybeans down to fourteen thirty five, giving up a dollar twelve. And finally, soybean meal at four fifty two, down thirteen dollars per ton. Today, I'm grateful to have another all star cast from the Ever Egg team joining me. We've got two cornerstones of our Chicago office. First, Zach Bowers, who supports dairy producer risk management, and John Spainhauer, one of our veteran advisors for commercial clients. We also have joining us today, Ms. Shelby Myers, Director of Grain Intelligence. Hey, folks, how are we today? Doing good. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, let's get started here with what's the buzz. Zach, how are producers responding today? Yeah, I mean, I think as of recently, it feels like I'm having more and more conversations, you know not about where milk prices are at, but more about where beef prices are at. That's, you know, been one of the shining stars of the revenue this year has been beef prices, right? And we're seeing that in the in the dairy cow slaughter numbers one, you know, last week, I think we posted almost 60,000 cows and we continue to see, you know, that number running anywhere between 55,000 to 59,000. And I think that's a trend we're only going to continue to see um, as well as, you know, breeding to beef, right? You know, that's been a trend that the dairy industry has really picked up the last couple years. Um, and now it's, you know, really starting to see it happen as guys are getting, you know, five to 550 for day old Angus, right? So that's really led a lot of the conversation um, has been where those beef prices are at, how they're handling it, you know, some new risk management tools, LRP, which is like a DRP for for your cattle, right? Has been has been one of the major conversations we've been going over the last couple of weeks here. And just a shout out to the rest of our team. Mr. Trevor Slagers is going to be in an upcoming edition of Dairy Herd Management. They're doing an article there on exactly that dairy on beef topic. John, how about you? What's the buzz in the cheese market these days? Well, we touched on it a little bit last week as the cheese market was moving. If you go back uh, just to the beginning of July, block prices were as low as $1.35 there for a while. And we ended the month of July with blocks at $1.96 barrels have come up to 185. And so just a a monumental rally that happened in a lightning fast fashion. I think there are a few things that contributed to that. One is it's hot or it has been hot in certain areas of the country. We've seen milk production get hit. It it gets hot every summer. Don't get me wrong, but it feels like the Southwest might have gotten hit a little harder than usual. And with uh, the economics on the farm, we may have seen some rations, you know, be 
trimmed a little bit. But regardless, we got a little bit less milk production than expected. We've also, as we touched on last week, heard that there was the possibility of some exports to go out the door during the month of July. That was probably done on a spot basis as opposed to a structural long-term basis. So maybe as we make the turn here in the August, we see those slow down. But certainly there was a lot less cheese for sale on the exchange in July than what we saw in April, May, and June. And then finally, we touched on it last week. There were some production issues out there in the country that could have tightened up the spot market just a little bit, as we've mentioned several times on this program and in several other EverAg publications. We trade four to 30-day-old cheese on the CME, so there can be a lot of cheese in the warehouse that's 31-day-plus or 30-day-plus, I guess, but the amount of cheese that's available four to 30 is what really makes the price. And I think we saw a little bit of a shortage on that. And that allowed the price to make that anything. I don't know what to call it. Anything less than an explosion from 135 to 196 in the course of three weeks. Now, interesting, John, because I know you watch GT, the global dairy trade, those results very closely. And cheddar cheese there was down 1.1%. Um, I think the bigger news there was whole milk powder dropping 7.6%. Can you share any buzz about GDT? Yeah, I think there has been some expectations that the GDT would be lower, specifically on whole milk powder. It was not just lower, but whole milk uh, was 7.6% lower, as you mentioned. That was significantly lower than what people expected. We have seen China lower their participation. Then we've seen Southeast Asia step back in. On this one, we saw China step their participation up a little bit, but the rest of the world, places like Southeast Asia, really backed off. And as a result, we've got the lowest whole milk powder price since 2020. And and that was really during the pandemic, right? So if we want to exclude the pandemic and say that was an anomaly, we have to go all the way back to January of 2019 to get to a whole milk powder price that is this low. And I think we have to look at that and say, geez, that really is somewhat of a barometer of the the health of the international dairy markets. Thanks for that commentary, John. Shelby, in the grain space, uh, certainly seeing a lot of red on the board. You want to give us a little bit of the buzz there? Yeah. So grain markets in particular are finding it harder and harder to react to too much news coming out of Russia and Ukraine. As more stories continue to develop, uh, we're seeing those stories live a shorter life on the market. And with the start of the month of August, much of the market news is turning to weather. And this market right now is preparing for August WASD next Friday and some of the expectations that will come out of there. And a little bit of background on the August WASD, this will be the first look at adjusted yields based on farmer survey results. We don't get any objective yield survey plots until September. So this month's report is strictly USDA called up farmers and said, what do you think your fields are going to yield this year and are reporting on those numbers? Great team. And speaking of team, for those of you regular listeners, you'll recognize that three of the four of us are the same this week from last week. So a little bit of deja vu for you. And with that, I'd like to jump into our center of the plate of let's talk about some of the things we've seen before and how we're responding to that. So to your point, John, earlier, you had mentioned that we've seen this sort of run in cheese before. Go back to uh, the you know, the beginning of 2023, prices in cheese were moving lower. We got into late March, April, 
uh, and we saw prices bump up unexpectedly to 210, only for us to be moving significantly lower all the way through the second quarter, right? So seeing these cheese prices bump up here in the last you know, three weeks, like we spoke about, and we're just shy of $2. I, I guess when I look out there into the, the, to the world market specifically and see prices are significantly lower than ours in a lot of cases, uh, I, and I just can't help but think that we're going to see cheese prices start to migrate back towards the lower end of prices. I don't know that that means 135, but certainly there's a case to be made that 196 is a little too high and probably on a temporary probably a very temporary price up here. Yeah, I would agree from the from the producer side. I think we're we're having the similar conversation of is this March all over again, right? We lost exports, got them back, prices rallied probably too high too fast, right? Come back off again, you know. So, I think to John's point, I think we can probably confidently say, you know, maybe the lows are in for the year because we're we're seeing on that milk production side of things, like I think that July report's going to come out pretty negative just based on June being unchanged and the increase in weather we saw across the whole US for July uh, in triple digits is going to tighten up some of that milk. So I think that side of things is going to help put a higher floor in, but yeah, I don't think we're ready to be 210 and and stay there for a while anytime soon. Yeah, I think grains are having a a deja vu in the sense of maybe not a short-term quarterly deja vu, but an annual deja vu that we're trading in a weather market. August is a very crucial time for corn and soybeans uh, and how favorable that August weather is for corn and soybeans. You know, here in Indiana where I'm at, we're already moving into sweet corn harvest time and setting up that corn crop to really flourish the next month and a half or so. Um, You're starting to see the market weigh a lot of the improved U.S. weather with the weaker demand, and that's why I think you're seeing some of the bullish polls kind of claw back the gains that any kind of Ukraine and Russian news are going to have. Something that where we're looking at internally is, is this a year that we're going to have like 2012 where we prolonged a drought period, you know, for a while, much of the summer, we were saying this is the worst drought that we've had since 2012. And we've been watching the December futures price kind of track along with that 2012 price. We've come to a point where the December 2012 and the December 2013, when we had a much better growing season throughout the year, I've started to diverge. And do you go higher like we did in 2012 when yields plummeted? Or do we go lower when we saw that yields had improved throughout the year? Uh, So we're at that pivotal moment where which deja vu year are we going to have? Is it going to be like 2012 or 2013? And I think a lot of farmers are looking out in their fields and saying, man, we got off to a really slow start because of the drought. We've got really short corn. But I think the rains in the center of the fields might have saved something and maybe we're looking at a better yield than we expected. And uh, the next two months, the WASI reports and and the crop production reports that will tell yield will really indicate that. And for our listeners who want to dive further into the deja vu comparison between 2012, take a listen to our From the Furrow podcast. Britt O'Connell did a great interview with USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. He writes the U.S. Drought Monitor since the very beginning. Really interesting discussion between those two. 
And with that, I think that's today's show. A big thank you to Zach, John, and Shelby for joining me today. Great contributions to the buzz and to the center of the plate. I appreciate you being here and sharing your insights. Thanks as always to our media team, Paige Driscoll, for mixing and mastering. And thank you to the listeners for joining us today. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite app. If you'd like to learn more about how we help people manage risk, contact us at insights at ever.ag. At EverAg, we partner with every corner of the agriculture industry, from dairy to livestock, crops, and agribusiness, to deliver intelligent supply chain and risk management solutions. We are EverAg, everything agriculture. Learn more at www.ever.ag/everything.